I won't lie. It's been hard to get the newsletter out on time this year. Sorry, this one is coming to your inbox late yet again. In January, my newsletter was way too long. In February, I just couldn't get to the point I wanted to make. In March, I didn't even get it out. It's challenging to follow deadlines when I know I won't get in trouble for not meeting them. Perhaps most critically, I write this newsletter for free. Whether I like it or not, money and writing are intimately tied in my life. I've spent my 20s thinking about money. Who has it, if I have enough, how to get more of it, etc. The money question was never more pressing than when I fled the 9-to-5 grind to pursue freelancing and work at the mall. At 27, I was back to minimum wage retail work. At the same time, many of my friends were years into their careers, earning significantly more money than me. In our early 20s, my friends and I would constantly pass the same $20 back and forth, feeding each other frozen waffles when someone didn't have enough money for lunch. I've taken an enormous step forward in my career, and it hasn't equaled a step forward financially. That's not unusual for artists, and I'm getting used to calling myself an artist. Because I list my occupation as writer on dating apps, I often get messages asking how I make money. This is insane. Worry about yourself. The truth, which is the reality for most writers, artists, and musicians, is that there's some art-adjacent work one must do to supplement the passion projects. Teaching, editing, copywriting, content creation, graphic design. This is how most of us pay the bills. But you'll never see me post about the latest advertorial I penned or the small business website I craft a copy for. All that work is invisibilized, and everyone else who does this work to get by feels like they're the only one selling out, not really writing for a career. I'm not going to break down for some Tinder match how much of my work is writing grant reports and how much is actual writing. It's not relevant. But there's still so much mystery and confusion around artists and how we earn a living that our money somehow becomes everyone else's business. Some people probably want to know if I'm a working artist or just a waitress with a notebook and a dream. Some people are trying to figure out who has wealthy parents. Maybe some want to determine who counts as an artist and if I've earned the right to call myself a writer. But fundamentally, I don't have to justify calling myself a writer because I am one. That's true without the money, but the fact that I've earned money from my writing is incredible validation. Validation most people who call themselves writers never get. Right now, I actually make most of my writing. Sorry, I make most of my money from writing. Less than half my income comes from serving, but serving is vital for my writing life. It is the only job I have that keeps me engaged in the authentic rhythms of how people speak and puts me in contact with real people. I interact with creative people of all kinds, much more than in my work as a writer. I work with artists, designers, writers, chefs, and musicians who create new things every day. I encounter people who take time off to do lights for concerts, who spend downtime drawing on their server pad, and probably many more whose creativity I never see. There's immense creativity, too, in the way chefs innovate with food, how dishwashers problem-solve, how servers interact with customers, how bartenders craft new drinks. Camille Paglia advises writers to get a real job, that withdrawing from the world to be a writer, I think, is a terrible mistake. It's more important to stay engaged with reality rather than the exclusive realm of ideas. So much of the literary world is the providence of the upper-middle class, educated people, totally disengaged from what regular workers experience every day. My artist friends who didn't go to university regret not going, not getting the education that so many of us have. Those who studied art lament the money spent and the time they wasted in classrooms when they could have been living life. I certainly wish I'd spent less time in creative nonfiction class and more time living a life worth writing about. Over the last year, I've been writing less and less for free. 
Everything I write is either to develop my craft, to be pitched or submitted, or an editor's assignment. When I started my newsletter in the summer of 2020, I was still working full-time and not doing any paid writing. Initially, I published this newsletter weekly. At the time, I still wrote a blog. I had almost no bylines. So the blog and newsletter were like little resumes to put into the universe. Now I have bylines I've been dreaming of in Briarpatch and Bitch, rest in peace, among others. I took down my amateurish blog. I don't always know if I want to continue writing this newsletter. It's a challenge, both in that it challenges me to write and that it is sometimes a challenge to generate ideas. I often lose steam in the process. Like many writers, I rely on the unique skills of editors to elevate the work I do, and putting out work that only I have edited feels inferior. I also don't want to seem high and mighty, too good for the humble free newsletter, because I'm not. Quality is not always rewarded with pay, and a lot of what publications pay for is poorly written, terribly argued, and aesthetically and philosophically dull. Sometimes a good idea doesn't get picked up, but I still want to write it, because I write to explore ideas I care about. But at what point does a writer decide that they don't write for free anymore? When do I get to say that my writing is worth cold, hard cash? Because it is skilled labor that deserves re- I can't say this word. Remuneration. I don't expect to find an answer. I've never even entertained the thought of monetizing this newsletter. But when do I hang up the hat on it? When do I decide to focus on getting paid? Which I deserve, both for my skill and the labor involved. In her book, Work Won't Love You Back, Sarah Jaffe writes about how art... Art world jobs keep workers subjugated. We have a passion and drive for what we do, so we must be okay with pittance pay and living hand-to-mouth to make art. But we shouldn't have to. It's complicated to figure out how to pay creatives who probably will create art regardless of paychecks, stipends, and grants. But what kind of art might we get if we paid people to create? Sometimes writing for free is nice. I wrote this piece, which is linked in the article, for Also Cool for free. It came from a place of genuine passion for the subject matter, and I got to work with an editor friend on the piece. It was a valuable experience for us to develop our writing and editing skills. An editor, an editor I worked with later on told me she thought the essay I wrote for free was lovely. It helped me share something vital about my writing. Sometimes writing for free is beneficial, as an artist and a business person, trying to give editors a sense of voice and skill. You make your own opportunities in this insane business. Writing for free is sometimes what you have at your disposal. It's a great way to start. I'm so grateful for the years I spent writing news and reviews at The Gateway, my university newspaper, that taught me so much about writing, researching, and interviewing. Yes, getting paid for your labor is a right, but labor implies skill and time and effort. Wherever you draw the line as a writer is up to you. If you demand to get paid, you will, somewhere in some time. But you have to put in the work, both at a craft level and on a business level, advocating for yourself, asking for more money. Writing is my job. I get paid to write articles, essays, reviews, blogs, website copy. Writing is also my passion in life, and a big reason I've made a lot of choices in my career in education is to pursue doing more of it. But now that writing is an income stream, it's become a different task. It's not just scribbling in a notebook. It involves spreadsheets, deadlines, to-do lists. As Beth Pickens writes in Make Your Art No Matter What, artists should try to pull apart the concept of jobs and employment from your work or art career. Writing an advertorial is my job, but writing a personal essay is my work. Both are necessary parts of existing in the world, because society demands that I earn a living, and my spirit demands that I create art. Even if I never left my 9 to 5, I would be a writer. This past year has involved a lot of negotiating what there is space for in my life. How do I ensure I make time for the joyful, pleasurable, edifying stuff? 
how do I stop the draining, exhausting aspects of life from taking over? That's the constant push-pull for any human, especially for writers, artists, and other creatives. We have to make time for all the same things as everyone else. Family, friends, exercise, errands, spirituality, movies, and television, and books, and music, and sports. Somewhere in there, we have to devote time to our practice. Pickens encourages artists to consider that their art can be worthwhile, that even if they're never paid for their work, they're artists. Without money, art is still an integral part of an artist's life. What if your art gives you life and your employment pays for that life, Pickens asks, a question every artist must consider. Even if I spend the rest of my life rimming margarita glasses with salt, measuring ounces of tequila, and delivering drinks to tables of thirsty customers, it doesn't change anything. As long as I'm making time for my art, I am an artist. For now, I live in the paradox of business and art, the uncomfortable space occupied by any artist living in capitalism. Thanks for listening, guys.